Velkommen til Mellemrum, en podcastserie om uafhængige udstillingssteder og projektrum i København. Mit navn er Torbjørn S. Andersen, jeg er selv udøvende billedkunstner, og jeg er nysgerrig på den underskov af uafhængige udstillingssteder, som nu præsenterer flere hundrede udstillinger årligt. Jeg tager ud og besøger nogle af projektrummene og hører om deres sted, deres vilkår, ambitioner, deres udfordringer og de mange muligheder inden for denne boblende del af kunstscenen. I det her afsnit besøger jeg Vermilien Sands på Ydernørrebro, som er startet af Kevin Malcolm, Malene Dam og Nikolaj Stokke. Og jeg møder her Kevin til en samtale om stedet. Velkommen til Mellemrum. My name is Kevin Malcolm and I run the exhibition space Vermilion Sands, where we're more or less sitting now, just in this kind of side room, which is also my studio. The space started six years ago. Uh, myself and Nikolai Staube, we started the exhibition space together. I think in our second year, we invited Malena Dam to join us. So then we became three and have worked on mostly group exhibitions. There have been one or two solo exhibitions also with like invited curators. I've seen on your website there's a quite a long list of exhibitions by now actually. Maybe 24, 25, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Exhibitions, which is kind of crazy to think about it looking back now. Mm. A lot of exhibitions, but with more or less all of them being group exhibitions, it really becomes quite a large number of artists we've been working with, which is great. But it can be also a bit overwhelming <laughs> if you want to pay proper attention to the people and the practices you're working with. I have seen some of your exhibitions here and for me they seem to be very well researched. There's usually a context that you seem to pay attention to as well. There mm. will be text material or other material around the exhibition. Yeah, that's something we tried to... I mean, right from the beginning I was quite keen to not have this kind of A4 description that you would get in your hand first of all you, you still get the floor plan with the titles mm-hmm. and the yeah. description of the artworks and that becomes a text people read the titles clo- more closely so they are yes. again the artists have more of a voice the titles they have chosen for their works are, are taken not more seriously but are, are read as as, mm-hmm. as informative texts or mediative texts and also to allow the artworks to mediate each other and the practices to mediate each other. It's also about just trying to like create a situation where we don't necessarily know what's going to happen as organizers. I don't know, it's been more interesting for us. You learn mm-hmm. more when you're like listening to the artworks, looking at them and listening to the conversation between them. I mean, if you're not told what it's supposed to be or be about, the public can work it out for themselves. And that's the that's what we've tried to do. And also quite often work with a theme for a whole year, try and explore something from different angles with different artists, sometimes with the same artist, a few shows in a row. If you mm-hmm. just jump from one topic or theme to mm-hmm. the next, it's pretty superficial engagement, mm-hmm. right? You're only beginning to scratch the surface. Well, if you try and focus on some something for a year or two years, mm-hmm. then maybe a, we, we feel that up. we're, yeah, we're like, okay, I know more about this mm-hmm. thing or more about the people whose practices part of the motivation is to like come out the other end better informed sort of like chapters in a book yeah i think so you know we just got a small room down there you've seen it's it's not tiny but it's it's far from huge no i don't see it as a particular small room it's got 
good ceiling height. I don't know how big it is in square meters. I think a decent size for a gallery, actually. Yeah, I mean, for this type of space, it is for sure. But yeah. I mean, if we think about sometimes, you know, we run a series of exhibitions that are connected. Mm -hmm. Then if you kind of stretch time and space a little bit, it's actually one exhibition in five rooms. Then effectively we have a Kunsthalle sized <laughs> space. If, if this... You've got this returning audience that is yes. with you on this journey, then it's I like, see. okay, you get to see the full exhibition, but it might take a year and a half. Yes. And you need to come back, but that you're going into different rooms mm -hmm. of what's more or less the same exhibition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's another question for me about running an independent space in Copenhagen mm -hmm. is that if you work with artists from other countries, what's the pluses and minuses in a way? Because usually it's people that are not known in Copenhagen then most of the time you'll be introducing someone mm -hmm. and I guess in that way it kind of makes sense when you speak about repeating larger themes because as an audience or as an organizer if you have mm -hmm. an, an artist coming in for one show and then out again it's a good question how much mm -hmm. do you get and how much do the audience get as well yeah I mean that's always the thing I mean it's I mean, it's also, I suppose, about having realistic goals or ambitions, not setting them too high for yourself. Artists or people working within the arts are quite prone to do that. You're constantly disappointed. The function or the use or the necessity of art is like maybe not for this this discussion we're having just now, but what we can expect of it and how mm -hmm. to how to be satisfied mm -hmm. in a project or a artwork or an mm -hmm. exhibition mm -hmm. is like that's like a lifetime work to allow yourself to be happy with it. I think uh, for me anyway, it's, it's quite difficult. And part of that is good because it motivates you to actually try really hard or, or challenge yourself that you should also be able to enjoy it. Mm. And then the more serious end of that, which is like mental health issues, I suppose, like and mm. stress-induced illnesses and stuff. You do expose yourself to a lot more work, basically. In this situation, everybody will have either a job or a career or mm. something else besides this right yeah yeah and uh, home life and so on making an exhibition program that's involved or like as you described it researched or challenging or whatever i think it's like crucial that it's because you want it to be like that mm. that you enjoy yeah. it to be yeah. like that or you feel you get yeah. something out of it rather than there's an obligation to go back to your question about like what do you actually get if somebody comes to town for three days and stalls mm. the show and is there for the opening. And I mean, I think to live in Copenhagen, which is more and more becoming like a kind of known destination city for food and tourism and to some extent art, I would say, it's also about trying to keep it or trying to work towards it being a hub on the kind of level that we're operating. So it's also to work to, to have people and their artworks coming through town to see a, a broader range of stuff, but also mm -hmm. for like the artists here that they are the, uh, the people who work with art here that, that they're part of kind of international peer group. It's not like Berlin where you have artists from all over and people's nationalities no. more or less an irrelevance yeah. um, within the scene. Danish artists travel a lot, they do a lot of residencies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they have the resources mm -hmm. to travel whilst also again, like making opportunities for artists from here to exhibit with yes. with foreign people yes. with, without having to wait 20 years until they've impressed enough yes. curators to be in that biennial. Yes. But I think also that's... We can uh, do it today. Well, some things I've seen in your exhibitions that you combine a theme where a Danish artist would match up with an artist from Norway. Or yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also good because then you also get to see 
the specific things about Danish art, for example, mm-hmm. become more visible when you mm-hmm. put them next to art from other mm-hmm. places. When you mm-hmm. just see Danish art next mm-hmm. to Danish art, then regional themes or aesthetic mm-hmm. trends or whatever become kind of flattened. Do you um, think it's been helpful for you? And now you're also talking as yourself, but I mean, you're also a group. You're also Melina and Nikolai, who are part of the curating. No. Would they agree with you on this? Or do you think that you, because you're coming from, you're Scottish of nationality and coming with a mm. different background, would you be like the one sort of knocking or <laughs> knocking down the wall a little bit? Or or was it the same? Uh, do you feel it was quite mm. balanced? I mean, they're both they're both interested in, in that too. Mm. And I mean, Nikolai worked... In France, okay. In Paris for some years, Milena studied in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Both in in uh, Los Angeles mm-hmm. and in New York, so has net a network there. So they both have like some kind of international perspective, of course. But yeah, I mean, it, I am also to some extent being antagonistic towards towards a a local scene, or mm. you know, I, yeah, I am kind of pushing it. Um, yeah. because I've, I've, but as a foreign artist here, mm-hmm. I, I feel like a shortage of, um, mm-hmm. of visibility and of opportunities mm-hmm. and, and these sorts of things. So mm. it's also about, um, it's also about taking some space, trying to have a voice, it's, um, it's a good point. for me, like on a personal level. And I think that some, some of that is born out of frustration to be perfectly sure. honest, but that, that. I hope I'm, I'm I'm like recycling as useful energy, right? That yes. that can make something interesting yes. happen. Um, I mean, I think also when you talk about art, it's very rare you can talk about it without talking about the frustrations, yeah. driving things. Yeah, there's always something wrong somewhere. Of course, <laughs> if it's of not course. the lack of studio space, it's it's a lack of funding or the lack yeah. of attention or the. And I I totally respect that what you're seeing that you're sort of calling out for a bit more of a mm. Mm, how to circulation or an international outlook is mm. you you think it's worth having a fight for having a or just doing it because it's possible for me to do mm-hmm. i mean I'm, yes. it's not that i expect anybody else no. to change their behavior that's not for me to say but i can do it and we can do it here so why not i think everything from a sketch to an artwork to an exhibition to an exhibition program you know all these scales everything is a suggestion a proposal a model you know they're they're quite often completed things but they are also a suggestion of how things could be let's say so I'll also relate to the exhibition space and its program like that it's also just to say this is also possible um which i think is the nice thing that's been happening in copenhagen for the for quite a number of years now that there are lots of people doing that and yes. having their own vision yes. of like we would like it to be like this or this is what i'm interested in or and that's that's great that there's there's all these different type of Attitude. models or suggestions mm. or possibilities um uh, this is just one of them because one of the things i'm interested in is how is the relationship between the independent spaces because i think now we are in a situation where there's quite a lot of them also compared to the number of commercial galleries even the ratio is quite large at the moment here in mm. Copenhagen and also in my background, I, 
I lived in London for many mm. years, and there the independent spaces just disappeared because of uh, it was too expensive to run. People are too squeezed on their own economy and also mm. on space, so it was impossible. So it's curious here how you have a wide range of spaces. For you, as someone who's been involved in a space that's been running for a good while, how do you see the interaction? Do you thrive of it, or do you, or does it not matter? <laughs> Partially, yes. I mean, it's always inspiring that there's other people mm. doing it. And But I mean, one of us, like once you do your own place, then you participate less in the others. And that's kind of a shame because, you get, like you say, you want to be part of this community or art scene. But that said, no, I think it is, it is good. And the fact that there's new ones opening all the time, it keeps you on your toes. You know, obviously, when we opened, there was probably a few months where we were the new place in town. And that was exciting and interesting. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, then something else opens. And since six years ago, there's probably been... 20 new art spaces open mm. in Copenhagen so it's like you have to reassess what you're doing based on like a changing landscape there's places that I've been to it's like I don't know who's involved in running it some of the art is made by people who are like almost 20 years younger than me mm. it makes me feel old it makes me feel irrelevant it makes me feel out of touch and it's like this is what it should be like you know mm. that's yeah. exactly how it should be what a man in his 40s should feel like mm -hmm. going to these places and that's that's cool right It's, uh, in that way, it's inspiring. Yeah, the other, like I said, the other side, I don't want to be influenced too much. You know, you can just focus on, yeah, yeah. this is what I'm into or I, this is what I think is interesting. I can see there's a lot of similarities for a person like you who, with an art career that, that the thinking between the space and the art career is actually not so different. I know, of course, you separate very clearly But I recognize a lot of the thought processes as being yeah. fairly similar. I think so. I mean, more and more. I mean, I would never refer to myself as a curator. Uh, that's another area maybe not to go into. But um, like, no, but I, 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 I approach it as an artist. I approach organizing mm. exhibitions as an artist. And I'm following, I'm following areas of interest from my artistic practice. I don't know if there's, if, if there's something I'm thinking about, want to go into, whether that's materially or thematically or socially or culturally whatever sometimes it makes sense for me to make an artwork about it or to to go down that road in my practice but quite often it makes more sense to get some other people who are already working with it mm. and put them together and then it's like i definitely come out then the other end smarter than if i just bang my head against the wall in the studio for two years over it mm -hmm. and also there's an exhibition or even a series of exhibitions that the local scene gets to either participate in as artists be visitors to There's images that circulate online, you know, so much more comes out of it mm -hmm. than if I made a series of six photographs about it. So in, in that sense, it feels like more or less the same thing as my like so-called artistic practice. But mm -hmm. I think I think we're now at the point where things like running an art space or publishing books or whatever yes. can be seen as an artistic practice. The production, like one person in the like, studio cave producing objects that then other people decide how to exhibit or whether to exhibit them is like a pretty narrow definition of artistic production and i think now a lot of people work collaboratively they're working across different kind of activists type practices mm -hmm. or the thinking processes aren't particularly different can we talk about one of the exhibitions just to also to give a little bit of a picture mm -hmm. i would suggest one that yeah. i saw which is not too far away in time. Yeah. You, I'm sure you remember the titles and so on, but it was mm. an exhibition with Christian Buskow mm -hmm. and 
It was Christian Busco. It was Sigrid Holmwood. It was Sam Darunian. There was a film by Atiyat El Abnudi. So the reason I'm also asking is, yeah. is I think it's a good example of what you're talking about because for me, I didn't know Christian Busco's mm. practice. So for me, it was an eye opener in that way because mm. I go to an exhibition, as you say, with a number of artists, and they are mm. obviously from different cultures and backgrounds and yeah. geographically as well, and. It was a good place for me to also discover someone who's working in yeah. Denmark. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you can talk a little bit about the exhibition in, in general, mm-hmm. if you remember it. Yeah, well, like you said, there's like loads, loads of exhibitions and it's, yeah. it's hard to remember them all. Um, I mean, that one, Christian's work, I mean, he works a lot with like kind of restro- resource extraction. He works a lot in South America. He also writes science fiction and his work was was dealing with like the extraction of saltpeter but also kind of like the implications on farming and on uh, land use and uh, Sigrid Holmwood who's based in Malmö works with a lot of uh, pre-modern dyeing and printing technologies and in this case um, the imagery on these kind of hanging textiles that she's printed is referring to these workhouses that were that kind of sprung up across Europe when they were trying to urbanize a rural population and and have them engage in in work as a kind of well and engage in capitalism basically they were like otherwise they were more or less subsistence farmers or so many of these people Um, more or less refused to work. They didn't understand the concept of work. Obviously, they did. Okay. They did labor yes. to pr- yes. produce things, um, but they, the, the concept of work was a kind of new one. Copenhagen was one of the the cities, that, one of the first cities in Europe that had one of these these workhouses where these kind of rural poor okay. were more or less forced to come to the city and okay. and work. Um, And the women were producing and, and dyeing things, and the mm-hmm. men were doing the kind of extraction of getting the stuff from from the wood. Um, I'm prob I'm probably making some mistakes here. To to Sigrid's Sigrid's credit, she she's like deeply researched expert on these things. And then Sam's works were also dealing with this kind of industrial revolution work and education there's a there's a writer he talked about who who had a kind of horticultural metaphor for education rather than an agricultural one so mm-hmm. some kind of care garden gardening okay. growth mm-hmm. uh, idea about education and uh, as opposed to a sort of industrial agricultural idea so he had some some uh, silk screen prints relating to that and then we sh- we had a film by Atiyat El Abnudi which basically follows the making of bread in this mm-hmm. small village in Egypt. She was an uh, Egyptian filmmaker, um, active, not alive anymore, active in the 70s. I think she was the the first kind of female Egyptian documentary filmmaker to more or less receive any kind of uh, success or visibility. Um, and that's a really beautiful film, but it's also set in this small small village and there's a railroad from Cairo to Luxor I think where this new luxury holiday resort is there mm-hmm. and the film ends with all these with these children and they've got the bread and and then they end up 
at the fence watching the train like pass them by and it's one of these very direct metaphors for sort of modernism is is uh like technology see, is not is not evenly dispersed you see the thing. village people yeah when the train just sort of yeah plows through the the yeah, fields yeah. more or less and yeah it just there's not a stop there mm. so i mean it's one of these things that if perhaps in a in a contemporary artwork would be like a clumsy gesture but in filmmaking documentary film there's mm -hmm. a different language so it's also nice to bring that kind of thing in Absolutely. but interestingly you know in terms of how we put shows together and how we think about it and organize it that film was christian's suggestion mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. it's also like we're all We're trying as much as we can to open up the kind of so-called curatorial process mm -hmm. to the artists involved in the show without Christian's knowledge of that film or that, that filmmaker's work. Yeah. He wouldn't have been in the show. So that's also something that is definitely part of it that goes back to your, your question about how much is it an artistic thought process. Yeah. That's something he knows about because it informs his work. It's obviously a, a, an archival piece and it's yeah. from Egypt. You think, well, how how did you get there? But that makes sense through thinking about this theme mm -hmm. and the artist having this that kind yeah. of knowledge. To get that, you know, we obviously had to contact the family mm -hmm. of uh, the okay. filmmaker and we did that through an Egyptian curator okay. who we also commissioned to write a text that kind of just gave some background mm -hmm. to the work. So again, we are not writing mm -hmm. as the organizers, as Vermilion Sands, not writing the text. We're not telling people what the work is, but mm -hmm. somebody who is actually knows it and is, is from the same place. So there was a text. Yeah, it's a knowledge production. And I think yeah. that's one of the best ways also to view an exhibition space like this. There are different mm -hmm. kinds of knowledge productions. Mm -hmm. For me, that's a big part of of what it's about or like that it's a big part of the value of it um without without the kind of necessarily academic connotations of knowledge there's different types of knowledge it's not just about sort of academic research and theory i think it's a, a special relationship between vermilion sands as a exhibition place and it's very local locality where it's placed here in nurburgring novest it being located here is Partly because I live here, but also because it's where there was a place that was affordable and that we are still here and haven't been kicked out. You know, we could have had to move five times in the last six years. And it's a neighborhood where quite a lot of artists live and yes. have studios. And now the, the sort of larger things, galleries, and I, I know that uh, like Art Hub has moved up here recently. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming like a mm -hmm. art area. It gets uh, on the map a little bit more. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. Osram Husel, which is an mm -hmm. old light bulb factory across the street, which is now a kind of community center. And we had a kind of good relationship with them where we, we've we've used their rooms for lectures and things like that. We've also used their toilet, their bathrooms. And they had a art class for kids that they would also bring over here to visit our shows. And we, so we had that relationship with them. And then we did a series of exhibitions and have just published a book That took as a starting point this new student housing complex, which included this skyscraper by Copenhagen standard, then became this kind of quite clear focal point for discussions around gentrification, neighborhood change. So we started to a series of exhibitions on that, four exhibitions, and this publication where we kind of approached it from different angles. So that was a, in a way kind of relating to the neighborhood. But also, a, I mean, it's a general discussion about mm -hmm. 
yeah. these things which happen anywhere. But in terms of it being specific to Narbro, it's not even visible from the street. No. So it's not even part of how the neighborhood looks. I suppose it has very little effect on the neighborhood <laughs> in that sense. I think the discussion about regeneration is is very topical. It's very mm. current here in, in mm. Norvest and yeah. the outer parts of Nervo. It seems like you tap into that and maybe you yeah. give it something so in some convoluted way yeah. that makes a difference. The last question is, what's going to happen with Vermilion Science? What are you thinking? What's the outlook at the moment? Well, yeah, that's a good or, question. Or ambitions, indeed. What, yeah. what, 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 however you want to prefer I mean, to talk it's, about it. It's a, it's a transition period, for mm -hmm. sure, because Nikolai has started a commercial gallery, Lagoon West, which takes its name from the same book or the same kind of fictional landscape that Vermilion Sands uh, exists in. From uh, Ballard? Yes, from a no. collection of short stories by J.G. Ballard, okay. set in a kind of fading beach resort. The neighbouring fading beach resort is Lagoon West. So he's starting that, or has started with, with great success. He's occupied with a lot of that, and there's obviously different types of obligations and responsibilities that come with working commercially with, with artists. I've secured some funding already for next year. There's, there's a loose programme in place starting to take shape there are still some shows that have been pushed due mm. to the pandemic would be realized continuing as before continuing as before in a new way it, it kind of remains to be seen like i say it's a transition period how yeah. it's going to work who's going to be doing it and who who isn't and in terms of goals or or like ambitions how can you be useful how can you help local artists um, who maybe have had a really tough couple of years. You know, maybe that's when you shift your focus or your obligations to local artists a little more. People just need opportunities to show their work, you know, and to get paid for doing so and to, to have everything that goes with it. I would I would say for all I have like this international outlook to try and make that possible. So I think that's also a big part of the priorities for next year. Also to look at other people who do this sort of thing. What does the art that people who also run exhibition spaces make look like what what are their practices like these questions that about like why why would you do this what are the implications for your own artistic output it has crossed my mind to engage some of those people mm. um in exhibitions mm. just to see the people who've been supporting artists with their own probably unpaid work for so long to make opportunities for for these people who are quietly working away making opportunities for others is a, is a bit of a goal or an ambition for the for the future which in a way is coming back around to being more like a traditional artist run space on a local level i think to be able to do both that and have an international perspective and internationally visible exhibition program is kind of the goal thank you very much Thank you. And good luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I think <laughs> it will probably be needed. But it's been yeah. like that from day one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Tak fordi du har lyttet med. Mit navn er Torbjørn S. Andersen. Jeg har produceret Mellemrum podcast til The Lake Radio. Tak til Statens Kunstfond og Nørrebro Puls for at gøre denne podcast mulig.